Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. I want to I read to you from Acts chapter 16 uh, today. I get a little excited. I'm sorry. I, I just, you know, I was a worship leader, as I said, for many years, and uh, I'm, I'm an accidental preacher. So uh, if I'm not the most eloquent, that's not what we're here for. I'm just, I, I'm passionately in love with Jesus, right? And that's enough. So, but I want to read to you today from uh, Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 16. It says, once when we, this is talking about Paul and Silas, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God. It says she was shouting, so I'm just shouting for you just to give you context. Who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. Oh, this, this, this just warms my heart this morning because maybe you're like me and you get annoyed about things along the way and you just have a little bit of biblical context to get annoyed. Now, listen, it's okay to get annoyed about spiritual things, not about your spouse. If you want a great marriage, get, get annoyed about spiritual things. Don't get annoyed about your spouse. In Jesus' name, there's a word for somebody, right? Receive that. But he got so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. Do you see how the enemy loves to exacerbate the situations for God's children. They were minding their business and all of a sudden they're being accused of sending the city into an uproar. But let's keep reading. By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice, the crowd joined in the attack against them, against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded commanded the the, the guard to keep them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. They're just walking down the street. They told the devil to shut up and all hell broke loose, right? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Everyone's chains came loose. Everyone's chains came loose. Can we take a moment and just pray in this place? The presence of God is here. And let's just invite him as we come around his word to come and speak to our hearts today. Father, we just thank you. God, what a, what a gift it is to be able to walk into a place like this. To be able to log onto that stream, to click on that link and experience in such a tangible way your presence amongst us. And so, Father, right now, we just ask you as we come around your word, Lord, louder than the, the, the words that would come through this microphone or down that stream today, God, would you speak to our hearts from heaven? 
somehow divide this word up into the hundreds of different ways that it needs to be in order to speak to our hearts. God, we welcome you. Do in us what you need to so that we can bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, everybody said, it's okay to get loud in church. You know that. It's, it's not, this is not hype. I, I, I say this to our church a lot. It's not hype. Hype is when you get loud about something that has no substance. But when you got hope, you got a reason to get loud. <laughs> On this side of the room, you got a reason to get loud. See, I, I, think, I think sometimes we, we wonder, why, why, do the, why, do the, why does the preacher always preach a little better when there's some amens in the room? Can I, can I tell you? Thank you. <laughs> can I tell you? It's, it's not to do with the preacher's insecurity. It's actually, there's something powerful when you realize that what is being preached to you is for you. It, do, it does encourage the preacher, I'll be honest. You know, it really does. But there's something so powerful when we come into agreement. When we say yes, when we say amen, what are we doing? We're saying, I hear that, and I, but I don't just want to be a hearer of the word. I want to be a doer. I want to be a receiver. I want to be engaged with the word. So, so I encourage our church all the time, because in Nashville, it's a little more quiet than it is here by nature. But we're, try, we're trying to bring people out of the flesh and into the spirit and realize that there's, in, there's such incredible power when we come into agreement. So if you hear something today that you think, man, I need a little more of that in my life, then just say a yes or an amen. If you hear something that you think, you know what, maybe I don't, but my neighbor needs a little of this in, my li in their life. Or maybe you don't even know anyone that needs it, but just, just for the sake of the people on the stream, right? Just, just come into agreement today. I, I don't know how many of you kind of grew up in church. Uh, I got saved. I, you know, I grew up in church, uh, but I, I really got saved a few weeks before I uh, turned 19, and that was all the way back in 1993, about 158 million years ago. And uh, I, 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 I got saved in a church. I grew up in this Baptist church that was very kind of traditional, and uh, the worship uh, or the songs and the worship style felt uh, just, it just wasn't my vibe, right? And then I, I walked into this charismatic Pentecostal AG church, when I was in my late teen years, and, uh, and it, I'll be honest, it also wasn't my style, but it was a little more fun. Like, they were singing songs, and I was like, what even, is this even a style of music? <laughs> I, just, I, I loved music, but I had never heard anything like this before in my life. But I, I walked into church, and, 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 and at the start of the service, they would have what they would call a praise time. You know, time of praise and worship. And it's, it's never worship and praise, right? It's always praise and worship. So I, I, I just assumed that praise was like the first part of that and worship was the second part of that. And during the praise time, which coincidentally only about half of the room was there for the praise time. And, and, but I, I would walk in and I would see them doing this, this, uh, this, this dance. And, and they really only had one dance. It was called the Pentecostal two-step. Some of you don't even, you don't even know. But man, they would just be doing this thing. And they'd be singing, The zeal of God has consumed me. It burneth in my soul. I mean, it was... No, we're not going to go any further, right? And see, when I first got saved, I realized that as Christians, we kind of have our own lingo. It's not cool. We have our own little Christianese. It probably should go away, but it is a thing. And let's just call it a thing, right? It's like when, before you're saved... 
When, when you want to go hang out with your friends, like you might get on the phone or get on text and be like, yo, what's up? Let's go hang out. Let's go to the movies. Let's go grab a coffee or something. But apparently when you get saved, you can't do that anymore. It's got to be like, uh, hello, my brethren. Uh, would you consider spending some time uh, fellowshipping with me? I, I just, I, I didn't quite understand that there was kind of this Christianese. And so they would talk about praise in this church. And, you know, I used to go to the gym a little bit. And, uh, and, 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 and there was kind of like these aerobics classes that I'd walk past. And I'd be like, man, I got this. Praise is it's kind of like Christian aerobics. It's like these Christians are too, too cheap to get a gym membership. So <laughs> No one in the room. I'm not talking about anyone in this room. So they show up and get a little praise size, right? A little aerobic, a little praise aerobic size. And then they would have what they would call worship. And they would all lift their hands and, you know, the glory of the smell of the, the praise time began to fill. It was the aroma of the room, right? They just lift up their hands and allow that to just minister to the people next to them. And I was like, wait, worship is like the, you know, you know when you work out, you, you got to end with the, like the cool down time so that you don't hurt your body you know what I mean and so I was like praise is like the Christian aerobics and worship is like the call and I thought I had it figured out until I began to grow in my faith and realize that praise is not a time in the service that maybe some of you in the room even missed this morning so uh no judgment there but let me encourage you come to church don't just come to church on time turn to your neighbor and say this is a word for you no I'm just kidding I don't know if you quite realize that what happens in this atmosphere during this time that we might even still refer to as praise and worship. The singing, the engaging together through song. Praise is not limited to a song. Praise is not limited to a style of music. Praise is not limited to someone having instruments on the stage or a microphone in their hand. It is a tool. It's a vehicle that we use for our praise. But that moment is to give you, is to set you up with the tools to understand what it is that we're doing. See, praise is not a style of music. Praise is a declaration over the situation that you're in, over the circumstance that you're in, over whatever it is that you're walking through right now. It's reminding that situation that there is one who is bigger, one who is greater, one who is more powerful, one who still is on the throne. See, this is what praise does. And we read this moment here in Acts chapter 16 about these two guys, Paul and Silas. And they were minding their own business. They were just walking through life, just living life. And all of a sudden, the enemy shows up to try and shut them down. And I wonder when you read this, when I, you know, when I read this, I, I think, man, it, it really was a very unfair situation for them. They didn't deserve the outcome. They didn't deserve to be locked up. They didn't deserve to be flogged, to be stripped naked, to be beaten. They didn't deserve it. I wonder how many of us here in the room or watching online or even walking through a situation right now that you think, God, it's not fair what's happening to me. I didn't, I didn't deserve this. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not perfect, God, but did I really deserve this? Can, can I tell you this today, friends? This is where the enemy loves to come in, mess with our, our thinking, our thoughts. That by somehow we didn't, we didn't do things quite right. 
or we just kind of missed it with God, or we didn't have enough faith, or there was some other little thing that we thought were in the situation because of something we have done. Now, there might be some areas in your life that the Holy Spirit's going to challenge and say, don't go back and do that again. But they're not in the prison because of what they did in the natural. They're in prison because the enemy is trying to lock down men and women who are filled with the Spirit, who walk in boldness, who know to call things out in the Spirit realm. That's why they got imprisoned. If some of you right now, you're imprisoned in a situation. And you're wondering, why am I here? And the enemy's whispering, saying, because God doesn't love you enough. God hasn't left you. He's not for you. You let him down one too many times. And this is what happens. You know, it's amazing that when we open the door to the whispers, to the lie of the enemy, all of a sudden we become, we, we come into agreement. You know, the only access, the only power that the enemy has in your life is through the access points that you give him, through the open doors that you give. He doesn't have authority or power in your life, except in the areas where you've opened the door. How do we open the door? When we come into agreement with a lie of the enemy. He comes in and says, God's left you. And you say, oh, I feel like it. I'm on my own. God's left me. And then all of a sudden you feel alone because you've actually come into agreement. It's like, what's that movie? Inception. Where, where they got to plant, they got to get the other person to think that it was actually their thought, but really it was somebody else's thought. This is how the enemy rolls. He's all, go and watch the movie if you haven't watched it. it. The enemy wants to plant thoughts in your mind and your heart and make you believe that it's actually your thoughts. This is where we've got to allow our minds, the Bible says, to be renewed by the Word of God so that we can be transformed into the image of God. So you might be walking through a situation right now, but I want to tell you this today, friends. Praise is your greatest weapon. Praise is your greatest weapon. Praise is your greatest weapon. I, I want to read to you. This is, this is what the dictionary says about praise. It's so phenomenal because this, this is not a Bible dictionary. This is not you know, some theological bent on this. This is what the, the dictionary says. The world says praise is defined as expressing a favorable judgment. That's what praise is. It's expressing a favorable judgment. Now I'm going to say something that is probably going to offend your flesh. So before you, you know, before you leave the building or switch the stream off, I want you to hang with me for just a second. Because oftentimes we find ourselves in a place of disappointment. But can I tell you this? You can't be truly praising God and in disappointment at the same time. Now you might be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Before you start throwing things at me, I'm not saying today if that there's disappointment in your life that you shouldn't be praising God. Conversely, what I'm saying to you today is if there is an area of disappointment, the antidote for your disappointment is, is, is not therapy, even though therapy is good. It's not Instagram, even though Instagram's terrible for you, right? All of these, that's not the antidote. The antidote is praise. If you want to break out a disappointment, praise is the vehicle to get you out of that place. Because what we're doing is reminding our situation that God is still in control. See, disappointment might be a roadblock, but praise is the gateway to your freedom. See, praise is declaring God's favorable judgment over your situation. Why do we get disappointed? We get disappointed when we find ourselves in a moment and we think to ourselves, this is it. I'm sick. 
I'm always going to be sick. I'm having financial issues. I'm always going to have financial. I lost my job again. I'm just always going to be in that place. And we think that's the end of the story. And by doing so, we believe that that's God's judgment on our situation. But I want to say this. God doesn't do good things as much as God is good by nature. So if it's not good, then I would believe God's not done. And some of us, we think it's God's judgment, but it's actually the enemy's judgment. We've just come into agreement with the enemy's judgment over our situation. The enemy whispered and said, you'll never be any better than who you are right now. And we said, that's true. I won't. And so we've proclaimed judgment over our situation. And we're now praising, not God, but we're praising the enemy's plans. See, praise is a powerful thing. But this is what we've got to understand. Praise reminds you that God is bigger than your problem. He's bigger than your sickness, bigger than your financial woes, bigger than whatever is going on in your life right now. So you have a choice whether you'll allow your circumstance to dictate your praise or your praise to dictate your circumstance. Some of you might be thinking, man, this is like hyper faith. No. Faith is going to seem hyper to someone who has no faith. But faith is irrational and unbelievable by very nature. So of course it's going to seem ridiculous. But I've learned that I don't praise God based on my circumstance. I praise Him based on His character. When I praise Him based on His character, all of a sudden my circumstance begins to fall in line with the nature of who God is. Say this out loud with me this morning. Say, I'm going to prophesy with my praise. I don't believe you. Say it again. Say, I'm going to prophesy with my praise. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to prophesy with my praise. For those of you who just struggled with anxiety in that moment when I said, turn to your neighbor and you're like, which neighbor? I don't know which neighbor. Just turn to the other neighbor and say, I'm going to prophesy with my praise. See, we get to speak into the situation that we're walking through, not based on the situation, but God's nature. This is what praise is all about. Somebody tried to call me out when I posted something similar on Instagram the other week, and they were blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, listen, I can give you scripture after scripture after scripture showing you that this is how God operates. Psalm 34. A psalm that David wrote when he was literally fearing for his life. Now, if you didn't know the context, you might think when you read this, man, David must have been in a great space. Because what he's saying doesn't line up with his situation. But this is the power. It says in Psalm 34, verse 1, I will extol the Lord at all times. There's no like little asterisk there. There's no like little, you know, kind of footnote saying uh, all times except for uh, when you got a diagnosis from the doctor, except for, you know, when, when, when you didn't have the money in the bank account that you thought that you need, except for the situation that you're walking through that feels a little there, there is no disclaimer here. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He answered me. Except that David doesn't have the answer in the natural. 
but he already knows that he has the answer in God in the spiritual realm before he's received it in the natural realm and his praise his praise, his praise, his praise, his praise. Not his complaining, not his whining, not his conjuring up the worst case scenario, but his praise is what brings the answer that he's looking for. See, praise means to glorify. What are you glorifying in your life right now? Are you glorifying your pain or God's power? Are you glorifying your financial woes or God's wonder? Are you glorifying your depression or the God who delivers? Are you glorifying feeling overwhelmed or the God who overcomes? What do you mean by praise, Pastor Henry? I mean this. Praise, you can tell me that you praise God. But if the majority of speech that comes out of your lips, out of your mouth, is lifting up how bad the situation is, lifting up that it couldn't get any worse, lifting up, elevating the fact that you feel overwhelmed and can't get through this. Now, friend, I'm not downplaying the situation that you're in. I just want you to realize that the situation is actually trying to downplay you. But if you will lift up the God who is over the situation, then rather than being downplayed by the enemy, you'll be, as the Bible says, lifted up like on wings of eagles covered under the shadow of the almighty see he wants to cover you he wants to protect you but you're too busy trying to protect yourself see when we praise god we say god i'm not in control but i'm reminded that you are in control what you glorify determines what you get oh wow if you want more pain glorify it if you want more stuff, build your life in a way that glorifies it. And you'll get the stuff. It won't fulfill you, but you'll get the stuff. But if you want more of God in your life, glorify Him and let Him take care of the rest. See, God doesn't, God doesn't need to hear our praise because He's some insecure egomaniac walking around heaven like, oh, I'm not sure who I am today. I just need my kids to tell me that they love me. It's not why God wants to hear our praise he wants to hear our praise in part because he just wants to know where, where your heart is towards him it's like with my kids we, we, we have a couple of kids and and uh, holly and taylor they're 19 and 15 and uh and, and 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 not one moment through my life have i not wanted to hear from them i love you dad right can i get away from the parents in the room and saying oh i would long for some see you, you want to hear from your kids i love you with no attachment, with no agenda, with nothing else attached to that. See, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I, 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 I still love it when my kids will come to me and say, oh, I love you so much, Dad. Um, can I have $20? You know, I love that, right? Because I love that my kids know, well, at least Dad is a provider and he's going to take care of me. So they know the nature of their dad. So they know how to love me, but they're still asking for stuff. That's one thing. You know, Dad, I love you so much, Dad. I love you, Dad. I love you so much. Um, also, I damaged the car. You know what I mean? Like, there's love, but the strings attached. But I still want to hear that. But man, oh man, when my kids come to me, Dad, I love you. And I'm like, what do you need? And they're like, oh, no, no, I love you. And then I'm like a bawling mess in the corner because I'm like, we did okay. 
See, God loves to hear from his children how much we love him. Not just when we need things from him. He wants to hear that. But can I, can I tell you something else about praise? God wants to hear our praise, not just so that he can hear how much we love him, but also so he can get a gauge on who we really believe that he is. See, our praise reveals what we believe about God. Our praise reveals what we believe about God. Have you been praising God in the situation that you're in right now? Or have you been looking all over the place trying to find an answer? Because you haven't thought that maybe God has the answer that you need. This is not a condemnation for I, I hope that your eyes are opened at this moment. Because our praise reminds us when I'm sick, I praise God because he's a healer. Even if I haven't seen it yet, I'm still going to praise him because it's his nature. When I'm walking through a challenging situation, I'm saying, God, I don't know what to do. I praise God because he is the God of wisdom. And I know it's wisdom because I am not that smart, but he gives me answers that I'm like, where did that come from? See, when you praise him for who he is, all of a sudden you begin to see those attributes revealed in your life. Praise is a weapon. See, it's not just enough to know about the word. See, I can quote scriptures all day long. If I'm struggling with the anxiety, I can, you know, recite Philippians 4, 6, 8. Uh, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, I can read that a hundred times a day, but if I'm still anxious and I still don't have peace, that says to me that I know the words, but I don't know the word. I know the words, but I don't know the God of the word. I'm trying to do this through religious, you know, rote learning, but that's not getting in my spirit. But see, when I praise God, I I read this in his word and then I say, okay, God, this is your promise to me. So I'm going to praise you. Even though I'm still feeling anxious right now, I'm going to praise you that I have a promise. I'm going to praise you that I have a promise. And through the promise, I'm going to see anxiety gone from my life. I'm going to see peace fill my heart. I'm going to see it because I have a a promise in God. See, we praise Him for the promise. We praise Him for the promise. We praise Him for the promise. See, so often we're looking for a way out of the situation. God, just get me out of here. I can't handle this anymore. Get me out of this hospital room. Get me out of this situation. Get me out of this marriage. Get me out of whatever it is that feels like a struggle right now. But what if we could flip this on its head? And rather than look for an exit strategy, we can begin to look for an entrance strategy for the presence of God. See, Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas, you got to understand this. I I don't know if you you read the Bible and kind of insert yourself in the story. It's it's healthy to do this from time to time. I'm not saying mess with the Word of God, but just just put yourself in the story, in the situation. Like when I read the Word, it it plays out like a movie for me. I, I see things visually. And when I read this, I kind of have to put myself in that place. It was kind of like there was Paul and Silas and Henry, you know, walking down the street. And we were all like, yeah, shut it, girly. You know, shut it, demonic spirit. Like, you need to go away. Just be gone, right? You know, and then we end up in prison. And then I picture myself in prison next to Paul and Silas. And I want to say, 
I'm like, yes, God, put me in the prison. I can just, but my flesh is like, I'm not happy about this. I'm not happy about being in the prison because this is unjust and I'm a justice person and I got to get this figured out because we were mistreated and I, I, I need to know who the manager is so I can talk to the manager and get me out of the prison, right? I need to blow somebody up on Twitter so that I can, you know, get to the right place and DM the right people so I can get the response that I feel like I'm deserved. And I am guilty as charged and probably should be in prison for that very thing, right? I love my sleep. I, the Lord is working on me. But the more sleep I have, the more joy there is in my life, right? Some people can just live with no sleep. I wish that I was one of those people. I just, I'm like, man, I just, I need to sleep. I can imagine being in this prison cell and I'm, I'm already agitated because it's cold and it's like, I shouldn't be here and I just want to sleep and I've got these things on my feet and there's people around me. If I close my eyes, who knows one of these murderers might get his chains and like wrap them around my neck and kill me in this prison. God, don't you see me? But it says in the midnight hour, it doesn't say that Paul and Silas were in the prison whining and complaining and moaning and having a Karen moment trying to get out of it, right? It doesn't say that. It says they begin to worship. And I'll be honest, if I heard them doing that, I probably would have been like, what are you jokers doing? This is not a moment to be celebrating. Oh, God is amazing. I'd be like, shut up and let's get out of here, right? But that's my flesh. And I read about Paul and Silas in this moment. And all of a sudden I begin to understand why they could praise even though they were in chains in the natural. Because even though they might have been in a terrible circumstance, the terrible circumstance was not in them. They were in the prison, but the prison wasn't in them. They were in chains, but the chains did not have a hold on them because they knew that God had sent them there on assignment. See, some of you have been praying prayers saying, God, take me out of this mess. Why am I in this place? And you're wondering, is it because God left you, friend? It's not because God put you in the prison, but he knew that you'd be in the prison and also that you'd be trustworthy in the prison. And so he has put you in a place of responsibility. And the outcome is going to be seen when you begin to worship him in that place. In fact, some of you are praying for the outcome to change. When really what you need to do is pray for his presence to show up because his presence doesn't always change the outcome, but it will change your outlook. I feel like this is a word for some people here in this room, people watching online. You've been walking through situations saying, God, just get me out of this place. Uh, Friends, let's call it what it is. Sometimes we put ourselves in prison by our own actions. But this is where the grace and mercy of God come into play. Because that doesn't disqualify you if you come to him in repentance. It's when we say, God, you know what? I messed up. We read all the way through the scripture of men and women who were used mightily by God, who were far from perfect. It wasn't about their perfection. It was about their posture. 
While we're all busy trying to make our lives look perfect for the gram. God said, I don't care about how perfect it looks. What I'm looking for is the posture of your heart. What's the posture in the prison? What's your posture in the prison? I want praise to be my posture in the prison. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I'm going to close in just a moment's time. But my wife and I, we've been married. My wife's sitting here on the front row. She's going to preach to the ladies tonight. It's going to be phenomenal. We, um, we've been married almost 25 years. And uh, got married in middle school. No, that's a joke. And uh, we, uh, we've been married 25 years, almost 25 years. And uh, a couple of years into our marriage, we were like, oh, it'd be awesome. We, you know, we want to have some kids. And, you know, so we, we talked about having kids. And then we did more than talk about having kids. And we practiced having kids. And uh, we won't go into details. But we were doing all the right things in the natural. But we were not seeing the outcome that we were hoping for. And so a few years in, my wife went to the doctors one day and, and just kind of explained the situation. And, and uh, she went to see her, her doctor, whose name was Dr. Needle, if you can believe that. And it's this sweet old lady named Dr. Needle. And uh, Alex went to see her this one day and kind of explained the situation. I said, you know, my husband and I, we've been trying for kids. And, and, uh, and so they ran some tests. And um, a couple of weeks later, they called Alex back in. Dr. Needle called her in set her down and said, sweetheart, um, I just, I want to let you know, I, I, you know, we, we know now why uh, you've not been able to get pregnant. Uh, you, you have a condition called hyperprolactinemia. And uh, it's a long word to describe a very microscopic tumor at the base uh, of your pituitary gland that's fooling your body into thinking that you're already pregnant so you can't conceive. And uh, she said, well, you know, there's a couple things that we can do. One is we can put you on a medication that uh, is like a mild chemotherapy. And if you go on that medication, uh, it will probably get rid of the tumor. Uh, but while you stay on that medication, uh, if you were to conceive, it would kill the baby in the womb before you even realize that you're pregnant. So uh, we recommend that you don't, that you don't do that. And Alex is like, well, that, you know, I mean, that's good. There's, there's a second option. You know, hopefully this woman who's been a doctor for decades, she's researched, she's studied, she's spent tens of thousands of dollars, uh, you know, getting knowledge to help people in a situation like us, right? And she says, well, actually, the other option that we, that we have uh, is that you go home and talk to your husband and that together you, you agree that you'll never talk about having kids again because it's a physical impossibility. And I remember Alex coming home that night and we lived in this little house in Adelaide in South Australia. We sat at our little dining table in the kitchen and just began to weep together as she shared that news. And about 10 or so minutes after we were just talking this through, it was like all of a sudden we began to, we began to smell something was a little off in the spiritual realm, if you know what I mean. It's like, it's like something, something's, something's not quite right here. 
We, we know that this is the diagnosis in the natural. But all of a sudden, God began to remind us of the words that He'd given us, the dreams that He'd given us, the things that have been specifically prophesied over us, things that up until that moment, really, we just thought, oh, you know, that's nice. See, don't, don't, don't write off the prophetic in your life just because it doesn't happen in the first week or two. Maybe that you got a prophetic word from somebody. You should always test the prophetic. But sometimes you got to know when to just put it on the shelf and, and, and have it there waiting for the right time. And as we're sitting around that table, all of a sudden, we, we just, we, you know, the Holy Spirit begins to remind Alex about a word that she'd received some, from someone who was trustworthy, someone who feared God and loved God. And years before we were even together, prophesied over Alex and said, I see you with a daughter and a son, a daughter and a son, a daughter and a son. And so you know what we did? We began to grab a hold of these words and say, God, we see what this is in the natural, but we see the enemy's hand here. We see the enemy's play. And we're not going to come into agreement with the play of the enemy we're going to come into agreement with the plans of God over our lives and so we begin to come together in agreement even through our tears we didn't get up and just begin to dance around oh amazing no there were tears it was hard to get our mind and our heart on board with God's plan when we didn't feel like it but that's what the faith journey is and so one day, after another day, after another day, we begin to walk out this journey. I'd love to say that a month later, or even six months, or even a year later, we got prayer. We weren't. It was years of walking this journey out, saying, God, we're going to praise you. And you know what? There were some days where we were filled with faith, and we would praise God, and we would think, God can do this in a hobby. And then there were other days where there were tears, there was sadness, disappointment knocking on the door and with everything within us we'd have to hold on to God and to each other and say God we're going to trust you we're going to trust you we're going to trust you and then one day my wife was just at the altar worshipping in church praising God and God speaks to her and says you're healed a couple months later we found out we were pregnant and guess what? Since then, we've had two kids, a daughter and a son, 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 just like God promised. And I understand that maybe here in this room or even watching online, this is hard for some of you to hear. Maybe you've walked through a situation like this. This is where we got to hold on to the promise of God. But you know what, friends? We came to a decision that we believed God could do it, but our faith in God was not dependent on Him doing it. Our faith in God was dependent on the miracle happening, if that's what He chose to do. But if not, we would still believe. We would still trust. We would still praise. We would still know that He is God. He doesn't owe it to us. In fact, if you've got salvation, you've got enough to make it through this life that we get all hung up on not realizing that in the context of eternity it's a blip how much time have we spent engaging with the plans of the enemy rather than practicing for heaven with our praise because that's what we're going to do for a whole lot of time we're going to praise him we're going to worship around the throne but do you realize something friends there's a praise 
that God can only receive from you through the situation that you're walking through right now. You, you realize that the angels can't even praise God like we praise God. The angels look on in wonder because they don't praise through tears. They don't praise through repentance. They praise knowing the goodness of God, but not the wickedness of the world. But there's a praise in your sickness. There's a praise in the pain of that child that's walked away from God. There is a praise in that hospital room. There is a praise in the midst of that marriage. There is a praise in the midst of that divorce. There's a praise in the midst of that business going bust through 2020. There is a praise that can only come from the moment that you're in right now. But it will resound for all eternity. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.